Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Spiritualize with Chris and Jess. We are so excited to have one of our faves back with us, the wonderful, amazing, mystical fairy. That's how I'm going to say, Eden Carpenter. How's it going, love? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me back. I had so much fun last time. I can't wait to see what we get into today. Yes, like, yes. One of the things that Jess and I we love just when we have these guests on is that we 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 kind of like break open the lid and then we're like, oh, how can we move this into like more like higher consciousness and kind of just like really unfiltered and then see what magic comes out to play. And I think that that's what we were sensing, even just speaking with you, uh, you know, in the first first time, first episode, like just how fun uh, we had. And so, yeah, I think for just something that that I left the last podcast episode wondering was, you know, from you and your uh, evolving, as we know, like as a business owner, as a human, and just you're creating your own masterpiece, right? And you're constantly evolving. What, how does your spiritual practice, like how do you anchor that into your business and how does that, and then how do you give yourself permission to kind of do more than what you've done before? Ooh, that's a beautiful question to get us started. I feel like my spiritual practice has changed a lot over the last couple of years. For a while, I was obsessively reading all of the human design and astrology and gene keys and all of the really nitty gritty information. And a couple of years ago, I think three about three years ago, I actually switched to reading fantasy novels. And I've learned so much about people just through reading these stories. I feel like my vocabulary has changed. My storytelling ability has really grown. And I feel like at this point, I'm able to get lessons from just about anything. In the beginning of my business, I was wake up, meditate, journal, do content creation. It was very strategic and very Uh, There was very very much of a habit and there was very much a routine and now it's a lot more fluid and I really just see where is the energy for me today and something that I've learned from gate 34, which is my conscious son. It's my life's work in my gene keys. It's a big deal in my chart. Um, It's this energy of nothing is sacred unless we make it sacred. It's not the sacred dancing. It's not the journaling. It's not the meditation. It's the energy we bring to it. It's not the practice. It's really the energy that's behind it because I can sit down with my journal and just complain for 20 minutes and say that I'm practicing journaling, but that's not really a spiritual growth experience. And so I've been really playing with how can I get the lessons out of absolutely everything that I'm going through. And it's fun to see that sometimes I am drawn to journaling. Sometimes I just want to go for a walk or have a conversation with somebody at the bookstore. And through those little interactions, I find myself practicing that spirituality. I usually do come back to my strategy and authority with human design. That's been an amazing guidance system because it just tells me that I'm an emotional authority and I need to feel things through. And so I make space for my emotional processing. And I know that if I don't have clarity on something, I just don't know yet. And I don't have to search for the answer. The answer comes to me when it's ready to come to me and when I'm ready for the answer. But there's no, there's nothing I have to do in order to find that answer. So working with my design has really helped me in those moments of doubt, in those moments of insecurity. Where am I going? What am I doing next? I come back to that strategy and authority and I say, where's the energy in this? moment. If it's lighting me up, if I'm excited about it, it's a yes for me and I can explore that. And if it's not lighting me up and it's a no, and it doesn't matter 
what the strategy says, I love to put intuition, I love to put energy over strategics any day. And that's led me to where I am today. So I say it works. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I love that. It's um, it's really, I think, as the frequencies get higher and higher, as we, you know, move through the spiritual awakening, do the inner work and all of this stuff, we, I do notice that same thing of there's the lessons are in everything. And especially when the synchronicity is really alive and well, it's bringing in everything that we need to know in the moment through the most random of places. And so what I see is that there's this, you know, we're in this holographic universe and everything's very holistic and um everything is part of everything else and so like the fantasy novels I can see why all the lessons or a lot of the lessons can be in there it can be anywhere you know I have a daughter and there's so many lessons to be seen in her and I like what you say about this um Essentially, what I see it as is moving more into an omnipresent state of being where we uh, we're just moving with flow and there's nothing really to essentially is not really anything to actively learn. Everything is brought to us uh, when we need it. And long as we have that awareness and um, that sort of subtle awareness, we can really start to pick up on it. And so it's been really interesting to listen to you speak about how you're progressing through the, you know, the, the human design and these types of things into a different way of, of being, essentially holding that, that space. So, yeah, I'll pass it over to Chris. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think what's what really comes through, and I, I got this from even meeting you the first time, but like the intuition, and I love that you said like, you know, bringing that sacred approach to everything that you're creating, but intuition is such a huge piece of this and you know what we're realizing is that in that um alchemical marriage right we're we're we are the divine <laughs> we're like there's no separation and we're coming into oneness with that that um our identity our spiritual identity and so um what was that like for you? Cause I, from, I feel like in, I was just like, what I left from our last conversation was like, wow, she just trusted herself and she knew to trust herself. And that's something that even Jess and I, well, we're working with our clients and in our communities, like that's a huge gap for most people, like even on the awakening journey, dissolving the ego, but like self-trust as an, as an aspect of self-love is so evasive sometimes. Um, but like, what was that like for you to just like, you know, as you're even strengthening your intuitive muscle um, now at this level in business? Yeah, I've been through a lot of experiences where I've kind of had to trust my intuition while taking a big risk. And it's always worked out for me. I'm trying to think back to like, where did I get that? Where did I find that sense of self-trust? Um, I've always been very independent and I've always been told that I can just figure things out really well on my own. And even in school, I was I was homeschooled until my junior year of high school. So I was homeschooled for almost my entire sc basic schooling. <laughs> and I was a competitive gymnast through that time. And so I have been in the coaching world since I was a teenager. I've been coaching gymnastics. I've been coaching all of the things and it's probably rooted in gymnastics where you can see the skill and it doesn't matter how many times you drill it if the coach moves their hands if you freak out if you don't trust yourself you'll fall on the skill and so there has been a lot of like very physically if i'm going to throw a skill i have to trust that i know what my body's doing in the air and so there was probably
probably a lot of it ingrained in me through gymnastics, but I think about my design and it's also um, gate 20 is my evolution and in the that's the gate of the present. And so in the present moment, the shadow is to be kind of unconscious and not really present. You can be evasive, you can kind of be avoidant, or you can be super hyper aware of what you're doing and almost nitpicky of the situation. And you're really focused on how does it look at a superficial level, but then the gift is self-assurance. And so every single lesson that I have learned has been through that. That's how I transform through my genetic profile is in the present moment, I say right now, I trust that I have the power to do this because there's an opportunity right in front of me and it wouldn't be here if I didn't have the power to at least give it my best shot. And so I've learned to, instead of let my mind tell me what I can and cannot do, I let my actions tell me. And building that proof for myself has been really powerful. If there's an opportunity, I say, okay, it's here. I may as well at least try. I don't know if I'm capable of it or not without trying. I can try and then I can have evidence of what went well, what didn't go well. And again, I'm thinking thinking back to gymnastics and you have to at least throw the skill the first time before you know what to correct to, to even make it better. I remember like running, learning release moves where you're letting go and you're trying to catch the bar. You're terrified the first time you throw that skill. You're like, I'm going to land on the bar. I'm 100% sure I'm going to lose where I am and I'm going to land on the bar. And you throw the skill, you land, you're done with it. You're like, okay, it's done. Now I know from that immediate mistake, I didn't catch the bar obviously on the first one, but I know now that that I need to let go a little bit later. And so the first step that you take, even if you're terrified, as soon as you get it out of the way, you have evidence of what to do next to get further. And so I've loved allowing myself to prove what I can and cannot do through my actions instead of letting my mind interrupt me before I even get the chance to try. To try. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's uh, when you talk about the gymnastics, uh, it reminds me of being a dancer. And I used to love gymnastics. Oh, why can I have been a gymnast? But in dancing, what I'd observed is that the most uh, the iconic dancers are the ones who are able to take risk and be most off balance. The, the best dancers are the ones who stay off balance the most. And the more off balance you're going to be, the more risk there is of falling, of you know hurting yourself, being embarrassed, all sorts of things. And yet that is what produ produces the exquisiteness, is that ability to be daring and to really fully commit. And what happens is, because I was that sort of dancer where I just wanted to fully commit into the movement. And if I was going to fall, I was going to fall. But I was able to really be so off balance that it was dramatic and just like, wow, type of dancing. And that's really been um, I've really observed that within life generally, is when we really commit, we actually don't fall over. I very rarely fell over and really nothing happened. It just produced something very exciting. And so it's that commitment of just like, yeah, I'm just going to go fully for it. Um, and so that's really what came up as you're speaking about the gymnastics, because I know when you're on that, um, the the what's the one where you walk up and down? The beam. <laughs> the thing um, you don't want to like you don't want to like half ass that and then that also comes through that you know half-heartedness mm -hmm. of like there's no luck in half-heartedness you just got to go fully for it um so that really made me think um about that I love that reflection yes um in terms of like that trust muscle that you're that you speak about and just how that then what what came through as you're speaking just like it, almost in this transmission is that there you said this thing about just like oh I have to let go sooner and 
everyone in manifestation, they're so obsessed with like receiving, how do I get more? What, let me get the thing, da, 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 the desire, desire, desire. And you know this, um, but where does surrender and letting go come through in the process for you? I bring it back to my human design chart again. In human design, it shows us where we have fixed patterns and where we have flexible patterns. And so I've been really playing with it as a very magical fantasy game, kind of. And I'm seeing it as the defined centers are the energy sources that I source within my aura. And I can also be a source of that for other people. We use the emotional center as an example earlier. I have emotional magic that just is in my energy all the time. And other people can feel that from me if I let them. They can source their emotional experiences through me. But I have to do something with that energy. And when it comes to manifestation, typically we're looking out at the world and we're comparing ourselves to the people that are successful and the lenses that we have are our undefined center. So we see a pattern where we are designed to be flexible. We are designed to source this type of power from our environment and get it in a bunch of different lights. And we're saying, I have to be this consistently and then I'll be good enough. And so the biggest problem is that, that I see is most people put their desires on the other self, on the other side of being not themselves. They say, if I could do this consistently, if I consistently had this kind of power, then I would be good enough. And so it's really coming from this, like, I'm not good enough to have it. And so we're, we're using too much energy. There's this hyperactivity and it's a fawn response where you're saying, I have to make the universe happy. I have to make everyone happy in order to receive my desire. And you're just wasting energy. And so when I think about my design, I know what I'm here to receive. And so with my undefined G center, it's the the diamond in the middle. Um, with that particular center being undefined, I don't have a consistent sense of self or direction or identity. And so I'm this chameleon where I get to be a different person in different situations and in different conversations, but my sense of self is inconsistent. And so when I was first starting to build my business, I was like, who am I? What's my ideal client? Who am I supposed to be? If I could just find my thing, if I could just find my purpose, then I'd be able to make money and help people and do all the things and I put service on the other side and success on the other side of finding my purpose, finding my identity, figuring out what it was about me that I could show other people that would make them love me. And so I realized that that's something that I don't have to define. I don't have to create that sense of self before I'm able to receive. And so there's certain things that I get to let go of. And something that's been really powerful for me with the energy of surrender is saying, I want you, but I don't need you. And so taking back my power, because there is almost this victimhood mentality when we're fawning to the universe and saying, please give me everything, I'll do whatever. And it's very disempowering to say that. It's like we're we're begging for a handout instead of owning the sovereignty and the power that we are source, we are divine, we have the power to create it. And if it's a desire, all we have to look for is, do I have access to it and do I want it? If I want it, amazing. What can I do to create access to it? And you just move little step by little step instead of feeling like I have to completely change who I am and then this thing will come to me. Um, But also playing with, I want you, but I don't need you. And just taking the pressure off of it. I also love to play with timelines. If I have a really strong desire, I 
I kind of come to this conclusion of like, I, I know it's mine. I almost see it as a premonition of like, this is happening for me. And one of my, one of the first times I did this really intensely was actually when I met my husband, I was in high school. Like I said, it was like junior, senior year. I've barely ever been to school before. I have a couple of friends and they're all dating. They've got boyfriends, they're dating these people. Like all the guys are just hanging out around my friends. I'm like, I want a boyfriend. You know, I'm in high school. I don't have gymnastics anymore. I'm like, I'm ready for a boyfriend. And I tried and I was trying to flirt with people and I was trying to like dress cute and be in the right places. And it just wasn't working. And I was like, you know what? I'm destined for romance. I am destined for somebody <laughs> to come into my world and sweep me off my feet and be this incredible person. And if if it's not in high school, it's not in high school. I know that I'm going to meet that person, but I don't want to waste all of my energy right now feeling like I'm not good enough because I don't have somebody else in my world. And so I said, it's going to happen when it happens. I don't care if I'm 30. I don't care if I'm 50. It's going to happen when it happens. I was 17 at the time. And I kid you not, maybe a week later, maybe a week later, I was on my first date with my now husband and we've been together for nine years. Mm -hmm. And so putting it out into the universe is like, I know this is destined for me. I'm not going to try and control the timing. If it happens right now, amazing. But I don't want to happen. I don't want it to happen right now. If I have to force it, I want it to happen in the most divine way possible. I wanted. I wanted romance. I didn't want a silly high school relationship. And so as soon as I changed my standards and my energetics became really, I like locked in of like this is what I'm available for, and I'm not available for anything else. Then the universe said, "Here you go. Here's exactly what you're asking for." So getting clear on what you want and really holding those standards of if it doesn't happen right now, that's fine. It's meant for me. It will happen at some point in this lifetime. I'll experience it at some point. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, I, you know what uh, came up for me? You know when you're saying about the, the universe, that there's this victim begging type of energy to it. Uh, what I'd really felt was it's completely the opposite. Because if we look at quantum physics, it's where we place our attention as creating the universe. And so when we, we see that we are commanding the universe, that no one's giving us anything, the universe not giving us anything, we're commanding the universe to, to move and react by placing our attention on the, you know, turning the, the particle, the wave to a particle and all of that sort of stuff. And so it just, it's so huge in the, in the manifesting space of the, you know, the universe, this, this other thing is going to give us this thing and wait for divine timing and all of this. And I do believe a little bit in sort of the timing aspects in certain ways, but not from the way it's described. And so I'd say it's so much the opposite of you become the, you're sort of the mother of the universe and the universe is the child and you, you command and you, you, you gently love the universe, but you tell the universe how it is meant to behave with you and allow the manifestations to come that way. Um, there's very few people I've, you know, that seem to think the same thing as that. They're like, no, it's the universe. It's going to bring me the stuff. Um, and so I don't know what your reflection on that is, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I actually love that because there's definitely been moments in my most victim low frequency. I'm like, please, God, just please do this. And then like, Justin and I will have a conversation and then we just see that the manifestation's already there. Like we get ourselves into a higher frequency and then like that opportunity just like reveals itself. Um, one thing that just really came through with, you know, the energetics and that that's really fascinating is that 
Well, one thing I just want to comment on you being able to like release the timing. That's something that so many people, the attachment to time, like I think Eckhart Tolle, he says that the our attachment to time is one of the hardest constructs of the ego to let go of. So the fact that you intuitively were like, yeah, I'm just going to let go of it is fucking fabulous, especially like in your teens. Um, so that's amazing that that whatever conditioning isn't so hardwired that like most often when I'm working with a client or, you know, in our groups, like the timing is like, where's the thing? Like, can I get it now? Is like always what people come through. But you talked about the energetics of, uh, and I saw this thing with Dolores Cannon basically talking about our purpose here is to manipulate energy. And so you talked about just kind of, it, it sounded very mystical, very fairy-like fantasy novel, but like how you're um, mastering your energy. And then you said the energetics of leveling up your standards. Like, what does that process look like for you? And how do you play with the energy in that way? Yeah, it is very magical and fantasy driven. I see the human design body graph as a map of our energy. It's quite literally a map of like your energetic talents, the things that you do, your behavior patterns. And so it's pretty much we have things that are defined, you're sourcing it from yourself, and you are a source for other people of that energy. And then there's undefined energy where we're here to experience and play with the variety of life. We're here to learn, we're here to borrow things we're here to be conditioned by other people and so i see this as consciousness split itself so it could experience itself in as many different forms as possible and so we're all a unique puzzle piece almost of energy and so coming together like you and me coming together it makes a certain configuration and we have a map for exactly what that configuration would look like and so it's so fascinating but it really shows me what's my job and what's not my job and so it's really helped me to see the kinds of energy like where am i susceptible to holding on to borrowed energy from other people or almost these like fragments of energy and when can i use those when is it beneficial for me to keep this idea that my coach six years ago told me when is that beneficial and when is it just junk in my energetic field and it's not necessary and so I, th I think that this has really helped me human design has really helped me notice what is my responsibility and what's not my responsibility because energy is always in motion and creation is always like life is just energy in motion energy is cannot be created it cannot be destroyed it's always just changing and evolving and that's I learned that like first day of chemistry in college <laughs> it's like energy cannot be created or destroyed it's only ever rearranged and so if we're rearranging energy I look at my body graph and I see exactly the map in which I move energy energy based off of the defined centers in my body graph. So if I want to move energy fast, I have a map for things I get to do. I get to process my emotions. I have a defined ajna, so I process mental information. I share it in specific ways. I have to do things that excite me. I work on a specific rhythm with my drive. So I have an internal sense of drive and ambition, and that works in pulses. So sometimes I'm in a go, go, go phase, and sometimes I'm in a hermit phase where I don't want to talk to people. And so it pretty much just explained all of my behavior patterns to where I was able to say, oh, okay, I can be successful by just being myself. And so those days where I don't want to get off the couch and I just want to read all day, that's okay. That's a part of who I am. That's a part of me maintaining my energy. The fact that I really love high intensity workouts and I love to like challenge myself and like sweat, that's 
good for my energy, but not all of the time. And so I've been able to change things in order to support my energy. But if I'm trying to manifest something, I have a map for my my part of it. Like, what am I going to receive and what am I here to do? What I'm here to do is follow my strategy and authority and empower people with the energy that I have. Like, give as much of that energy as possible and I will receive as much as possible as well. So that's been really fun to play with. I forget. I think you had a second part to your question. <laughs> I don't oh, just that. Uh, yeah. Like, and then when you're mastering the energy, like how do you then create a higher standard? Cause I found that really fascinating is that when you back to what Jess, you were saying about commanding the universe, when you're just like, actually, I'm not available for this anymore. I'm available for this. Like I just recently for, it's like, I forgot that I could ask for a certain trait in a partner because I for like two years was obsessed with this other person that was like just not reciprocating or whatever but then I was like oh wait I actually want a partner that could like you know be my equal match be a, you know like mm-hmm. provide for me and like all these other things I didn't know I could ask for that and anyway so how did you up level your standards and how do you do it energetically yeah I think energetically Let's see. I think I do a lot of it mentally. I am somebody who needs to organize information in my head. So a lot of it is just perspective shifts and then taking action from that shifted perspective. I have this belief that we always manifest what we genuinely want at a soul level or at an unconscious level. And so if I'm manifesting something where I'm saying I want one thing and I'm not getting it, I want to look at how did I actually want this? Did I actually not want that? Or is there a conflict in the process where I feel like I have to do something specific in order to get that and I don't want to do that thing? So I look at my resistance for like what I'm, if I'm getting exactly what I want, why do I want exactly what I've gotten? And so I give myself that evidence of what's the benefit of manifesting this? What was the benefit of saying I wanted that but not manifesting my goal? And so I just, I look at that and I get curious and usually I have just not been clear enough in saying exactly what it is that I want. And so it might be, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of a fun example. Oh, a couple of years ago, I put out this business course. It was this sacred success business academy and it was going to be a 12-month program teaching absolutely everything i know human design and business copywriting graphic design branding like literally everything i could even think of even like business um like coaching skills all sorts of things team dynamics hiring firing all sorts of things and i'd been asked for business related content forever felt like it was in my dms it was all over the place and i was like okay this is meant to be it's easy i'm just gonna put it out there i can teach this this is meant to be and it failed we did like a whole launch everyone was super excited and i got all of these messages they were like we love this this is an incredible program it's not the right time for me and just conversation after conversation after conversation of like it's just not the right time it's just not the right time it's just not the right time and so it it hit me i was like okay why am i not manifesting what i wanted i didn't want to spend three months working up to this launch for it to fail we have bills to pay i've got team members like what's going on universe why do i want this and when i really felt into it i was terrified of committing to something for a year And that long commitment, I had this voice in the back of my head that was like, I don't know if I'm going to want to show up for this in a year. And so I'd said yes, because I thought that my audience wanted all of my business information. I was like, yeah, I could do that. And it would probably make me a lot of money. And I, I did it because I could, not because I wanted to. And so when I really felt into the situation, I was like, I feel like something's going to change next year. And then 
in like halfway through I, that year, if I had have run that program, I decided to burn down my business. And so my intuition was saying, you can't run this. You can't commit to something for a year because something's changing very soon. And you're like, you can't do this. And so I realized like, I didn't want it. I genuinely didn't want to be committing to something for an entire year. I didn't want to be running this big, massive program, but I felt like I was expected to. And so I was manifesting it because it was an expectation, but it wasn't my genuine desire. And so when I thought about it, I was like, actually not having to fill out my calendar for the next year feels really good. That spaciousness, that freedom, it doesn't feel like expectations. And so at a physical level, at an unconscious level, my desire was not to fill out that program. I didn't want that. And so I'll just get curious at that and see like, why do I, like, why am I actually getting exactly what I want? And yeah, that's that's been playful. So I, I, I up level my desires, I guess, by getting a little bit more clear on what it is that I actually want. And that's usually been helpful in switching what it is that I'm manifesting so that I can manifest and put my attention on a desire that I actually care about and not just a random goal because I think that I should be always practicing manifestation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, this really is so juicy to dive into because this really brings into the conversation, the frequency of denial. And we, this frequency is so, so interesting that we, at a, a conscious level, we're like, I want this. And then at a subconscious level, uh, we deny that we can have it. And so in that um, description, what you're saying, Eden, it's, you know, re what really comes across is that the mind were what was in the subconscious, what the heart really desired, there was this denial at some level of it. Um, and sometimes we my, I suspect we all know what we want, um, and especially in business, what our purpose is and what we want to do, but we deny ourselves because maybe it seems like, well, this isn't going to work. Other people don't work in this way or how, you know, this, this essentially seems so easy. And if I could have my life this way in business, it would be, you know, just easy. And then we deny that we can have that. Say when you're sitting, you know, like, oh, I can just, you know, take a day off and read there's going to be a lot of people who deny themselves that they're like well, I can't do that whereas you know when we start to come into this place of yes that's what the heart wants that means we can have it and it's beneficial and then we get to this higher self of basically the higher self has um you know, within the morphic fields could see where everything is in past, present and future and what is coming down the line. And I love that, you know, that's almost you were being protected from what is coming in the future. Of like you can't have this thing now. It's not aligned. And so that that part of us that moves through doing something when this is the thing, the frequency of denial. We're so sure we want it at the time. It makes sense. And it's like, yeah, of course, this program, this sort of launch, it's like, I definitely, this seems like it. Um, but there's this other thing underneath. And I wonder whether there's something underneath that we can pull apart to, to stop us going off in these crazy directions. And what can we connect to? Uh, within so I don't know if either of you guys have a sense of what is it do we need that we need to connect to that can show us actually what we truly want I would bring it back to human design again <laughs> because it shows us the different voices of inner authority and inner guidance and so 
Um, and I also like to look at in the body graph, if you have a split in definition, that intuition can show up as multiple different voices. And so I'm a triple split. And so sometimes it feels like I have three different voices trying to tell me what direction to go. And if I listen to all of them underneath it, really, they're all saying the same thing. I believe that everything inside of us is advocating for our alignment always. And so however you connect with that source of intuition, I just want to say that it's under underneath it's it's not that voice of reason that voice of reason that you think is your conscious mind or the, the thing that's going to keep you safe it's actually the voice of fear and it's there to pretty much protect you from authority and we develop it as a child this little voice that pretty much says what our parents would say before they would say it so we're thinking about doing something we remember what our parents said this voice of reason comes in and says don't do that and we we start to parent ourselves this way and that's conditioning this voice of reason that's holding us back and saying don't do that that's not the right thing to do um but with our inner authority, it doesn't always make sense, but it does have a, there's specific patterns. So I'm an emotional authority. And so I just need time to process my emotions. And eventually if I, I'll get an emotional high where I'm really excited and it's easy to jump into things and say, yes, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But if I haven't felt through the whole wave, I don't have full clarity yet. So I just need to be patient before I commit to something. And then other people, it's like a gut decision. If you're a sacral authority where you're not designed to feel things through, you're designed to feel this spark in the moment that says, yes, go do that. I have the energy to do that. And it can feel a little bit reckless as a sacral authority. You're like, I'm just jumping around. I don't have a plan for anything. And yeah, you're designed to go one step at a time. You know exactly what's next. And you have this, um, a lot of times sacral authorities feel like there's, they don't know what's next. And the big picture vision is just really overwhelming and they don't know about a lot of things. I'm like, great. If it's a maybe, it's a maybe. It's a not, it's not a yes right now and that's amazing because your authority says yes right now it doesn't say yes in 10 days it says yes right now no right now so mm -hmm. sacral authorities i had someone on a session recently we were talking about parenthood and possibly being ready for kids and she's like i just i feel like i should just know and i don't know if i want to have kids or not it's just i'm so confused and i'm like is it a yes right now if you like started trying right now is it a yes she's like no not ready for that I'm like okay it's a no right now that's all you need to know you don't need to know when it's gonna happen it will happen right now you know that it's right here right now doesn't matter and that's one of the things i love to do is bring people back to right here right now what are you basing this decision off of because the emotional center and i'll do this with whether you're an emotional authority or not we all have emotions that come in and we can project things from the past we can be feeling something in the present moment that was a replication of something that happened seven years ago or we can feel something in anticipation of what we're imagining we might feel in the future and those feelings i like to come back to is this feeling from here in this room or is this feeling from my mind? Because if this feeling's from my mind, it's trying to get me to take action right now and do something, but it's possible I can't do that thing right now. So I think I started talking about intuition, then I got on a whole tangent, but intuition shows up differently <laughs> for everybody.
looking into your human design can show you a little bit more of what that voice and what that conversation will be like. And something I've been playing with lately with, I'm playing with like the magic of human design. I've been playing with visualizing it as an animal, as like this little spirit animal that comes in of just like what kind of animal would represent my intuition. And I did it on a session with my coach last week and a little bird, I could very clearly see like this visualization of a bird flying in and sitting on my desk and just talking to me. And so we were asking about the timing for a specific offer. I'm like, what am I supposed to reach out to this person? And it said, you can't control the wind. I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. You can't control the wind. I'm not supposed to know. I'm not supposed to control the timing. I'm supposed to just be ready for when that moment comes in. So I've been playing with visualizing it as almost like a guide that's external so that I can almost converse with it instead of it being me. Because sometimes we have that voice of reason that says you can't be trusted. And there's some conditioning that can be worked through when it comes to following your intuition. Yeah. Yes. What like was making me think of just in our conversations before where you talk about how in the Gene Keys, your inner child loves certainty. And then so there's like these certain patterns that we hold when it comes to these decision making. And like, oftentimes I would always say I'm heart led. And then after being in like therapy for two years, I was like, wait, that was my heart. That was my anxiety. <laughs> like That was like impulsivity. And like now, like kind of as you were speaking, Eden, like I was like, oh, what's really coming into form in terms of how to make a decision that I feel like is more grounded is this heart-mind coherence. And I think oftentimes like I would be like, oh, my my heart really loves the Chanel bag. So I'm going to get it. And I'm like, um, okay, wait, I didn't really think about it. I was just like, I just got that thing. And so there's this like split that kind of happens within us. But back to to your question, Jess, like, I think like in that intuitive sort of like guidance, there is this stillness, there's more of a pause. And oftentimes, like, that's where the mind does come in. It is like a useful tool to actually insert like, a little bit of planning, a little bit of organization, a little bit of structure. And I'm like, I can be super in my feminine flow, like, wee, <laughs> and then just completely like make these decisions. But like, I think that structure is like part of like, at least here in this point in this awakening. But like, I love what you what you just said, uh, Eden, about just like the presence and like tethering yourself to this moment and just be like, is this serving now? And it doesn't mean it's this ultimate no. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, I was going to ask you this and like how maybe the fantasy mo- uh, novels or because you you always see that when the twist and turns in the plot, right, where it's like mm-hmm. they actually had to go in that direction. They actually had to like one more time go apply for that job or work in that business. Like it, it was never wrong. And I think like for you, like you actually it, you couldn't have just uh, skipped over the moment of like launching that 12 year program because mm-hmm. it or 12, 12 month program because it actually taught you something. So how does the fantasy novel, one, two questions is like, how does the fantasy novel play into your awareness of that journey that you're creating for yourself? And then two, like what character are you embodying in the moment? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fun question. I love that. I would say that something about reading fantasy is you can read situations that are dark and twisty and bad things are happening but there's always this like 
you know that main character is going to be okay in the end. There's always that reassurance of like, you know, they're going to be okay in the end. And so when I first started reading, I was so curious and like, I wasn't really, I still don't really get like thrown back or emotionally react to things that I'm reading. I just get really curious. I'm like, Ooh, how are they going to figure that out? How are they going to figure that out? And I've gotten to a point now where I'm really, really good at picking up on like, there's one sentence. I'm like, Oh, that's going to happen at the end. I already know it. I'm really good at picking up on the foreshadowing just because I'm curious how the author is going to get that character through that conflict. And so it's more of I'm I'm looking at the author's creativity less than feeling into what is the character possibly feeling and like experiencing that emotional reaction. I'm really just curious like how are they navigating that situation? What what decisions did they make? What actions did they take? What did that lead to? I really love just watching very undefined G Center. How do people get <laughs> where they're going? Um, and then when it comes to embodiment, I feel like I'm very much playing a fairy godmother character right now. And I'm really leaning into that where it's, I'm going to do fun things, yes, but I'm really good at playing with other people and being that person that comes in and offers them just like a little bit of magic, a little bit of energy, a couple of perspective shifts, and then giving them that power to go on their own hero's journey where they might need a little bit of support. They, it's like that sage, that that guide who helps them with the things that they need and prepares them, but doesn't, I'm not the hero. I'm not the hero who's going to take control for you. I'm not going to save everybody. I'm going to empower you so that you know that you can be the hero in your own journey. That's the character that I am. <laughs> oh, love it. It's funny, it's funny that you mentioned the hero's journey because as you're speaking before you said hero's journey, well, you know, it's, it's really about that hero's journey and that there's always clues in history. Uh, there's always clues in the archetypal uh, track. So if we look at that, the, one of the oldest archetypes is the hero's journey that essentially we all go on. And then we can notice that the, the hero's always fine. It's always it's always good in the end. And so then we can this is this is like literally uh like a a plan of how life goes and so we can look at that and go oh that's the frequency we are all living in is that we go through these challenges and struggles and we we go on this journey but it's always going to be okay in the end and so then that's a way to surrender as well of just like well it's going to be fine I, I think most of why we don't surrender to things is not so much that it's the, the challenge or the struggle, it's more the inconvenience. And so I had this example of, you know, when you're, you've bought a, a home and you have enough money to upgrade, uh, there's going to be a lot of people who don't upgrade because it's a hassle. You've got to like do all of this stuff and it's just, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm just going to stay here. This is fine. But when actually, if you just had a bit of discomfort, you could be in this other amazing place. And so that's what I see part of the issue around surrender is, is a lot of us don't really mind the challenge. It's just a bit we get a bit lazy. It's like, oh, I don't really want to move. Okay, I can't handle it. Say, mm -hmm. say like there's a rock bottom. You have to like leave your house. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Something, you know, something will come up and it'll, life will sort itself out. But it's just that discomfort of like, oh, got to move everything. And so that's where I see we can move through this journey in a way that actually it's just when you can just move through this discomfort, 
which leads on to one other point uh, that I'd noticed in that with people who have a lot of wealth have a lot of uh, responsibility and they're okay with, um, so for example, the, the, I remember years ago, there was this family who um, were looking for two, two sort of assistants to run their social diary two people to run one family social stuff. They have all of this energy and they have this ability to actually do a lot of stuff. And it's uncomfortable arranging stuff and, you know, it's, but they they didn't feel that discomfort, obviously. Same with if you want a yacht, that just seems like a real hassle of to going to get the yacht and signing yeah. the papers and having people look after it. So we can see then that we can have, in terms of when you're speaking more materialistically about manifestation, we can have a lot, but are we willing to be uncomfortable and just go and do the thing, buy the buy the 10 houses? It's just like for me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to buy 10 houses. Um, but so that's going to be uncomfortable. So then we can see, again, why some manifestation is not coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, also to that point, Jess, like about discomfort, one thing that like, this is just a frequency that you give me, Eden, that you're just like, and I, you said it earlier, you're like, I'm just going to try. And I actually think that that is sometimes really good when it comes to making decisions. Cause sometimes people that are overthinkers, like I did a personality test once and it told me that like my best life is the most examined life. And like, cause I got the philosopher and I'm like, you mean I'm an overthinker. And so like, instead of just like sitting there thinking for three months, I just were like, we just start the podcast. Like we just do it. And like, you know, and, but you give off a frequency. I don't know. Like, obviously you, you say this and like, I get it from your story, but just like, I'm going to go and try, I'm going to go and push through. And then, so, but most people have this like veil of, it could be for like what you mentioned, Jess, like the discomfort, but also like the fear right? Like the, there's something blocking them from just like going out and releasing their music or, you know, starting the podcast or being visible, right? And like, there's stuff that you've had to break through. And it reminds me of the heroine or the hero in the journey, right? Of like pushing through and finding their own power. How do you move through that energy? And even when it stagnates and it starts to block again, or the veil gets thicker, like how do you keep yourself pushing through you can ask great questions i feel like i've said oh that's a great question for all of them but really you ask really good questions i'm like ooh, there's so much to say here um yeah there is there is a lot to say on this i'm like trying to figure out where i even want to start um Again, I think a lot of it came from gymnastics where when we were training and we're practicing, it's an open gym. There's classes, there's parents on the bleachers, there's coaches, there's a whole bunch of people always watching you. And especially when you're on the competitive team, you're one of the older girls, which are more fun to watch than the preschoolers doing the forward roles. And so you're just on display even when you're practicing. And so I for nine years fell on my face almost every single day in front of a large group of people. And so it almost desensitized me a little bit. And so you're able to get into this space where it doesn't really matter what people are seeing. If you can see the end goal, it they don't exist. They don't matter. And so when it came to social media and 
showing up in my business online, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what kinds of posts are going to work. I don't know what kinds of content is going to be easy to create. I don't know what kind of offers or audience I want to serve. I don't know. Let me just put things out there, what's feeling good today, and let me just figure it out. And we learned so much more in that process, but it does require vulnerability and it requires honesty and it requires that like resilience, there's definitely resilience necessary in being able to show up in that messy middle. And I think the thing that stops people is they have this expectation of they want something out of it. And so they're expecting that they're gonna do it right the first time. And we've been told the story of if we're gonna do well, we have to be really prepared. And so they just plan and they prepare and they don't actually learn anything because they haven't had any experience to learn from. And I've learned very quickly in my life that I can plan a perfect plan. I could spend months planning the perfect plan, but I learn so much faster if I just give it a shot, if I just try it and then figure it out from there it's like again from a gymnastics perspective i can watch the skill over and over and i can say she lets go at this point and she's here and she's doing this and she must be focused on this but but until i'm actually in the air moving through it i don't know how it feels and i don't know how i'm going to feel in that situation so being a gymnast definitely helped me with learning how to fall in my fall on my face gracefully but even in competition if you fall you have to get back up and you have to finish strong and so that's also something that i learned is like if you fall are you can you still finish strong or are you going to let that fall ruin the entire routine and there were competitions where i would have one fall that would lead to a second fall and that would lead to a third fall because i was in my head and because i was in my emotions but the competitions where like i had a competition where i fell and I meddled because I fell, but I still got up and was finished the routine really, really strongly. And so it doesn't matter if you do fall or not, can you get back up? How are you going to finish that? And so I didn't realize how much my gymnastics training was really laying the foundation for a lot of the work I do now. But thank you for helping me see this. Yes. Um, just, yeah, one thing that was coming up for me, is like just the failure thing. I actually kind of feel a little bit emotional, like I'm going to cry after this, but like, like something came up, like the, almost the kid in us that's like scared to, to fail, scared to mess up. And that, yeah, like that I can feel some energy shifting for me too. So thank you for this conversation as well. Um, any thoughts, Jess? Um, let's think, uh, nothing's coming to me at the moment, uh, cause I sort of just, you know, absorbed in the, the, the storytelling. Um, so how does your, you know, in terms of moving your business forward and to use the, the, essentially the, the inner work to, uh, move it forward, what does that look, I know we've spoken a lot about it, but do you have a, a feeling about the future as to where you, um, where you want to move with this or do you just really look at what you're doing very presently as like okay i'm running this program or i'm doing this thing and you're fully in that or do you create a bigger vision of where you're moving to or um, what your heart wants really looking to create let me see I, I play with the energetics of the bigger vision. Me and my coach call it balcony energy because that's the energy that we came up with when we were playing with 
the feeling that I want to have. And so I'm an emotional authority. My emotions are really involved in my embodiment practice, in my manifestation process. And so um, I created a Pinterest board of all of these different balconies because there's something about, and it's probably my mountains environment. There's there's places in my chart where I can tell you why <laughs> this is really resonant for me. But that energy of just being outside in the warmth, there's you can feel the sun on your face. There's a little bit of a breeze and you're on a balcony so you have this vision you have this uh, this view to look out on and there's just this peace that comes with that kind of perspective and that kind of like distance from all of the busyness and it's you're still able to appreciate and watch all of the things that are going on but you almost have this separation and this peace and so that's the vision that we play with when i'm thinking about bigger picture things is i want that sensation of peace and satisfaction and for me that's really tied up in that image of just being on a balcony and for me it's very it's like i'm traveling abroad somewhere we're in a beautiful hotel there's this great balcony i'm overlooking there's some water and there's some like activity going on in a marketplace and it's just wow I'm in an amazing place and so that just captures the energy of awe of satisfaction of peace and just delight and so that's the that's what I play with when it comes to bigger picture vision um, over the last couple of years we, I've been going through a little bit of a transition where I was focused on teaching human design and coaching people through how to like how to interpret human design charts kind of teaching it very much and I want to play with it a lot more. And I think I mentioned that I'm working on turning human design into a game into, so it's not quite a digital course, but we'll be able to kind of play this game. It kind of feels like you're going to magic school and then you'll be able to play with your magic in your real life. And so I'm really excited about that. And I thought it would be a shorter program, but recently I realized that it's probably going to be like a six month program. And so I know that that's my next like big energetic surge is going to be essentially teaching all of the human design system but talking about it as if it was magic and if you were like coming to a magic school and so it's making it very playful very visual and I'm positioning it in a way where you can play with that magic in real life as well and so I know that that's the next big focus and I'm playing with there's all sorts of different things that that could turn into I think it would be really fun to turn the magic system that I have now built for this program into like a fantasy series at some point and just like actually write people into this world. So there's potential there. I want it to feel playful and creative, but it's all tied back to that vision. So I kind of have the overall feeling of what I'm going for and where I want to be in several years. And then I know the exact thing that I'm doing next. And then I have a couple of ideas of like what that might lead to, but that's usually about how it is. I know what I'm doing right now, what's probably happening next and then it's and then it's fuzzy after that but that's okay because it always clarifies exactly what I needed to it's like headlights you can't see all the way down at the end of the road but you can see what you need to in front of you and so you can see the curves when you need to turn and you're always you're always guided because it's like the lights are always showing you exactly how far you need to see so that's how I play with it yeah uh, yeah, I love that it's um it's got this feeling of um Oh, how can I put it? It's it's sort of sort of I can't get the feeling describe it. Um, it's basically allowing ourselves to have and say in life and business. So 
essentially what I do is I don't look at a business as a business. I look at it as just exploring life, having an adventure. And I just happen to be, you know, on this path. And so when we see that we can really combine all of these different ways of being, so to have the programs and to have the human design business, but then also to bring in the, the magic and the gaming and the, the fantasy and all of these different aspects. And that really again, is that sort of higher frequency where we can start to move in all of these different directions. There isn't just this once we pick a thing, we've got to stick with it. And I think that's what makes, that's, what's, that's what brings out the genius in somebody is they're choosing all of these different elements that the heart truly loves and cannot be re re replicated by anybody else. And that is where all of that um that, again, not really a good word for it, but that abundance and life and that pleasure is coming from that space of just going, I love this, I love that, how do I combine them? And then that's where the magic is. It's like a recipe. It's like some sort of magic recipe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love that. And it's so cool, it's so synchronistic because my next question was gonna be about like, how do you keep the magic alive? But like, <laughs> even to what you're saying, Jess, it's that like, you've created this love within you. Love is this portal of creation. And then uh, just what you said too, it kind of sparked this thought that it's like, you're not actually building a business. You're allowing the flow of creation to move through you in this like very effervescent. And so there, to me, it feels like there's this allowing, there's this grace and just um, there's this surrender. There's, you're still taking action, but it feels very in flow. And so, yeah, like for you, I, I'm now curious less about even just like how that shows up because you just mentioned it in business, but like, how then do you move that energy in like, you know, Eden's like relaxation time or like, you know, uh, activating that in the relationship or just personal life? Like, how does that sort of, do you create that more holistic um, experience of, of joy, mm -hmm. of love, of, of balance uh, for you? Yeah, yeah. I kind of live like a retired old lady right now and it's perfect. I have my pets, I work from home, so I get to be in my own space a lot. And right now I'm in a phase in life where my business is a main source of satisfaction. I love to create, I love to write, and I do I do spend a good amount of time tinkering with my business that's i don't really work i tinker i just come in and i see what wants to be played with that day um, mad scientist in the yeah. lab <laughs> just tinkering with all of the things like what wants to come through today and i do try and play with that in my personal life as well um it's like my my relationship is absolutely magical and i don't talk about my marriage a lot i think it's almost this like what will people think because it's so magical that it's almost unrelatable at times <laughs> i'm like what would they even think if they knew that it was just this fun this easy this playful um yeah it's very playful there and we have our pets i'm very playful with them as well i feel like they're also really great guides where i have a cat who will interrupt me and she almost always interrupts me when i'm like trying to get something done and i'm a little bit frustrated and she'll interrupt me and she's like i need attention right now and so i'll just take a couple minutes and be like okay 
I don't need to be frustrated and working really quickly. It'll get done when it needs to get done. Let me just like pet you for a few minutes. Let me connect with you and make sure that like you are being loved. Um, the pet, like the dogs, when they need to go, sometimes I'm like, okay, we need a long walk today. And I can tell that if they need it, I probably need it too. And so I love to just like take care of that. I also see my environment as a reflection of my mental space. When my house is clean, my to-do list is usually also done. <laughs> when my house is messy, I'm usually procrastinating something else as well. And so I'll just look around and almost see it as, I see laundry as like our emotional energy. It's like, we wore this, we were we were these people, but have we processed the different things that we've done? Have we processed our experiences for the day? And so, you know, you put on, my husband has his work clothes. Has he processed that and kind of let go of the day? Because laundry will build up when we're really busy and when we're like not really deconditioning we're not letting go of energy so when i'm doing laundry i'm switching things and like removing emotional energy um like cleaning clear surfaces i feel like that's mental energy for me like my countertop if it's super cluttered i usually have way too much on my mind and so i'll use my environment as a really great way of if if my reality is a hologram then it's an exact mirror reflection of what's going on internally and so if it's messy then something energetically is messy and I can clean up energetically at the same time as I clean up my physical environment and so I'll play with it like that or sometimes I'm just like I can't be in my house <laughs> I can't be here I need to be somewhere else and I'll just go there and see where the energy is um, but yeah I feel like I I really just follow that strategy and authority with human design I'm looking for things to respond to I'm looking where I'm looking to see where there's energy, where there's frustration. And I know that that frustration is always guiding me to something easier, to something that's more in flow. And sometimes you do have to be a little bit selfish with your alignment and you do have to set some boundaries and say, I'm, I'm okay being a bitch in your world. If that's who I am for you, that's fine. But I have to protect my peace. I have to protect my energy. Or if people like want a response really quickly, I'm fine saying like, I don't have an answer right now. You can think that I'm flaky. You can think I'm whatever you want, but I will have hard conversations if necessary to protect my peace. And I think that giving myself permission to say what I need to say and also like say no to opportunities that I could make work, but aren't 100% aligned has also been a really helpful tool in mm. just all areas of life. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we were talking about earlier, just before we started the podcast, just about how even in this expansion, what comes with it and what we're all moving towards is these higher frequencies of like the joy, the passion, like the magic. Right. And then what, what comes back is like our conditioning around almost this like self-development hamster wheel that we all live in where it's like, Oh, I got to do more work. I got to clear more shadows. I got to like, you know, keep kicking at the thing. Um, I had a coach once that would say that it's like playing with your poop. It's like throwing it up in the, I know that's like a really graphic um, <laughs> expression, but it is like, you're just get rid of it. Like just clear it up and just like get rid of it and um, not digging it up. And so for you, like what is your process of allowing and letting that joy come in, letting the abundance come in, in the business, letting the magic come in the relationship and not going into the nervous system freak out like, oh, do I deserve this? Can I have this? Like, can I hold this? Like, can I actually have more uh, when more is presenting itself? 
Ooh, that's a beautiful question. A couple of years ago when my business really blew up, I did have to do some identity work because I felt like I didn't deserve all of the success that had happened. And so there was almost this retroactive identity work where I had to say like, yes, I do deserve the reality that I have built up for myself. And I actually brought this up on a call like a week ago. So it's fun that this is coming up because I got to work through this with my mentor about a week ago where I had a different session with somebody who was an incredible, incredible human and she's channeling these messages and the source energy was saying that it wants to bless these next projects and it wants to bless me and I had this like, why do I deserve to be blessed like why, why me. There's so many people here. Like, why why is this coming through? (laughs) And so there was this, like, do I deserve this? And so my coach said, she doesn't like the idea of me thinking that I don't deserve it, but she does like the idea of me thinking that my audience deserves it. And then the people that I'm serving deserve me to be blessed because if my offers are blessed, if I'm blessed in my world, it means that I'm going to be able to show up more. I'm going to be able to show up with more energy, with more love, with more compassion, with more insight, with more clarity. And that is beneficial. And so it, she showed me that I've always been the kind of person who gives back and who wants to things to feel fair. And if I'm giving a lot, that means that I also have to be receiving a lot because it's out of integrity for me to be giving as much as I do without receiving. And so she said, you have to walk your walk. You have to do what you are teaching. You have to be the embodiment of this work. And so if we're conscious individuals who have this desire to give, we have this desire to serve, we have this desire to make the world a better place, we also have the necessity to receive. Because if we're not receiving, we we have nothing to give. We mm-hmm. have to be receiving in order to give. We have to fill up our cup in order to fulfill other people. And so I, I played with that a lot. There's some identity work around like, yes, I deserve this. And there's been some nervous system regulation around being comfortable with things just being good. There's often this this thing that we'll see where people who have experienced trauma or they've experienced poverty and then they get to a space where they're in success and it's like they're waiting for it for they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're waiting for it to be taken away. And it's a lot, it's, I see this in stories a lot too, how if you have something to lose, you fight a lot more. If the bad guy has your sister, there's motivation, like you have something that's mine, I don't wanna lose that. So we have this innate drive to fight harder for things that we, like if there's a fear of loss, there's always this fear of like, this could go away, but we're not, like that's not regulation. If we're always afraid that it's gonna go away we're not regulated we have the sensation of like this isn't normal and it will go back to normal and we're still assuming that normal is not having the abundance and so i had to kind of train my nervous system of like this is normal it's normal to have enough it's normal to go to the grocery store and not have any worry at all of like it's normal to go to the grocery store and not check your bank account it's normal to go to the grocery store and not make sure that you have the hundred dollars that you're going to spend here and so i just started practicing those behaviors and it is very much i feel like we can change a behavior at three points before it happens during the trigger and then after we can kind of redirect the pattern and so i would notice if there were any triggers i would go into it with intention 
So the grocery store was triggering. I remember having my food stamps card, like my mom's food stamps card, be rejected at the grocery store at one point. And I was like, oh boy. And so there's, you know, some trauma there. And so I went into the grocery store and I was like, okay, I'm not even going to check my bank account in the car. Not going to do it because I don't have to. And the whole time I was going through the grocery store, I was talking myself through, see, you're just in the grocery store. You're going to swipe it nothing's going to happen. And so it's almost like exposure therapy where you walk yourself through it and you're like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Then you get to the car and you're like, see, you were fine. Um, In the moment, let's say you get to the cash register and you're noticing a trigger. In that moment, you can say, oh, wow, this trigger is an emotion coming from a previous experience. But right here, there's no signs, there's no evidence that this card's going to get declined. And what I know about this moment is that it's not going to get declined. And so in the moment, you can redirect it. Or after, let's say you're in the car on the way home, you're like, why was I so panicky? You can go back and say, you can see the trigger and you say, oh, wow, look, that triggered me. I remember why it triggered me. Okay, calm down. Because when you're in that heightened state, it's really, it's where you end. Where do you end? That's really what matters. And so even if you went through a whole triggered cycle, where do you come to afterwards? Like that is still regulation. You're you're moving the energy and you're coming to a neutral state. That's regulation as well. So um, learning to regulate my nervous system a little bit has helped. Rapid resolution therapy has been a great tool to just uncover some of those unconscious blocks that didn't consciously make sense, but were just sensations that were in my body. Yeah, I'd say that helped. Oh my God, yes. Go ahead, Jess. It reminded me of um, this the thing I felt years ago, which is when there's this, when we've had that uh, trauma response, the nervous system is looking for that activation. Um, and when we find that place of peace, like everything in life is just as it should be, it's very unsettling. Um, and so there's this, um, it doesn't feel comfortable at all for me when it's so peaceful, when it's just like, just perfect. And so of course there's um, a little bit of that drama starts to come up. But what is what this has reminded me of is that um, there was a time when I had sold a property and that's had so much money in my account. And I, it was when I was, uh, just had just left the corporate world and there'd been a lot of uh, times when there wasn't that much money. And even though I was earning a lot, I was also, uh, I could never keep it. It was always sort of, you know, it was always going. And so I then come into, you know, this money because I'd sold property. And that was the sort of first time for a long time there was no need to worry and actually that was really unsettling because what I'd noticed is I'd been using that as a cover um I'd been using the busyness and uh, you know making money or you know in this corporate job and be being in the state of um of focused on the money situation was a distraction from what was actually going on underneath and when that cleared um, there was some suddenly all of this other stuff that the the sort of money stuff had been hiding, and so that's that's something I've observed in myself and other people is the the trying to get more and more more money is often it just keeps us busy, it keeps us distracted, and what happens when we just have enough? What happens then? It's sort of like almost what I feel it's like a death. 
Um, it's like just this like not we go back into peace into nothing and then what do we do you know and I think a lot of people are scared of that peace which is why it's so hard to stay in the present moment is because it's it's not a comfortable place uh, for people because it's very it's just most people are going to want to escape from the present moment and so there's these things where we think we want something we think we want you know more money more of this more of that but ultimately it's just hiding um that that place within us that we actually come to peace and we don't need anything and we're perfectly fine and then that's actually when the manifestations really just come in so easily with flow um, and so it's just that that something you said had caught me in that that aspect of that when we're trying to get more and more and more, that's probably a trauma response as well to that we don't actually want to hold this state of peace because uh, it actually feels really uncomfortable. So that's what sort of came up to me, comes came through me while you were speaking. I love that. You're right. I can see that so clearly it's like we're afraid of peace and people think that they're afraid of failure but that fear of success yeah <laughs> yeah that's a big one i think i heard somebody ask like who are you without your money problems and if you can't answer that question that's probably the reason you still have money problems i was like if your entire identity is wrapped up around that of course you wouldn't want to let it go that's who you've become that's who you are you identify with those problems or you identify as being the person who is overcoming those challenges or who's surviving that particular experience. And then then the identity is involved and <laughs> that's a fun layer to yeah. be dealing with. Well, actually it's, it's going back to um, there's this guy, William Bengston, and he does this energy healing. He's done it like for 30 years and it's all sort of scientifically researched. And he does this energy healing on my so the mice have terminal cancer, he does the healing, then the, the cancer goes away. And so he was doing this on patients, and it was working. And they were getting really, he said, almost all of them used to get angry with him, that he had got rid of the cancer. And he informed that it was an identity thing that they, you know, they, there was something wrapped up in that. Um, and so that's, again, I'm reminded of that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we're moving through in life that is really an identity that we're holding for some reason or form of protection or something. I don't know what you feel about that, um, you know, that that protection. What is this identity thing that we're holding on to things that we don't really want? Ooh. Yeah, that's a, wow, that's a profound question. <laughs> <laughs> let's see at an identity level i think when it comes to when it comes to rapid resolution therapy there's a couple of different patterns for stuckness and identifying as the problem is a point of stuckness because if you are the problem then there's no solution and so we'll have these problems where we come back to I'm just not good enough, or if I could just do this, if I were different, if I was better, I wouldn't have this problem. And so it's a pattern of stuckness where the thoughts are always redirecting it to the reason you are where you are is an identity thing. It's you, you're the problem. And it actually creates this guilt and it creates the shame and it creates resentment. And so it's actually like, it's actually anger. If you look at that as an identity issue, it's anger because you're actually angry that you're not further ahead. And so it's 
resentment, you're angry at past you. And so if you're angry at your past self over and over and over again, every version of you in the past, it's hard to build a relationship or see a possible relationship in the future where you are not angry with yourself. Of course, future self will be angry at you now because you're angry at past you as well. And so with that, we get to work with um, like building self-trust, but also releasing resentment where you have no power to change the past. You have absolutely no power and therefore you have no responsibility. You have no responsibility to change the things that are already done. We can move forward from here, but we cannot change the things in the past. So sure, at an identity level, you were the person who made those decisions. But if we think about it, we can play with like action and emotion. We can really get into the rapid resolution therapy here where if if we body switched, if somebody else was in your body and they had the exact same emotions, the exact same thoughts, and the exact same physiology that was going on in your body in that moment, they would have made the exact same decision. If they were feeling the same things and thinking the same things and interpreting the same data the way that you were interpreting it, they would have made the exact same decision and taken the exact same step. And so if you see that it's state dependent in that state, in that moment with those emotions, those thoughts, you took those actions. Amazing. You're not that person anymore. That version of you does not exist here. They're not up for trial because they're they're dead they're not even real anymore and so you get to build um something i had to do i invested in a coach before i was really ready and there was some miscommunication i thought the payments were one thing she thought they were another and it was like twice as much as what i had thought and so there was just like some weird energy and after working with her for a couple of months i decided to step away it wasn't quite aligned and i felt so much shame and guilt i you know stretched our finances made my husband a little bit frustrated i made all of these investments like why didn't it work and then i flipped it around and said like i can't trust myself i can't trust myself to make investments i make risky investments i invest in somebody i got taken advantage of and i i made this story around how I was a victim of that situation and the identity was like I wanted to be a victim I wanted it's safer for me to be a victim than to say I tried something I stretched myself a little bit too far I had to take a step back recuperate and then eventually I worked with a different coach who was perfect for me I've had several coaches in the meantime so when it we're talking about like the identity level usually there's resentment if there's this, if the stuckness pattern is I am the problem, there's resentment at things that you've done in the past and you can look at what what's the thing that you're actually mad at? What's that one situation where all of this resentment is really coming from? And we can go back to that moment and let it go because it's not here. It doesn't matter here. And that emotion focusing on that thing that happened six years ago is not helping you because it's keeping your mind in the past when really you're here and the version of you right here right now has the ability to do something different you have right here right now have all of the power like this version of you is the most powerful version of you because it's the present one and therefore it's the only one that has the power to do anything and so whatever you did four years ago doesn't matter because here you have the power to change that if you want to be the person who had that story and one day decided to change it and so you can play with it at an identity level yeah you can play with a lot of things at an identity level <laughs> that's kind of how i would work around or play with identity when we're like identifying as i'm the problem um 
yeah and then also looking at like what are you what are you avoiding with this problem what do you not have to look at if you still have this problem and a lot of time there's there might be grief like i look at my mother she's been really 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 busy for the last several years and there's been some pretty traumatic things that have happened and her father passed away last year and i know for sure that as soon as she does start slowing down she's really going to actually feel that grief because mm. she didn't give herself the space for it and so we can't outrun our emotions <laughs> they will they will catch up to us if we haven't processed them and dealt with them um i feel like i'm rambling at this point but that's identity uh, no um what uh, comes to me is that the you know this really ties back into that uh, frequency of denial and self-rejection that there's something we're blaming ourselves for in the past that we're going to reject ourselves in the present and um, there's so many different ways to work with this the way that I find best is to really move into again that omnipresence which is the that healing field for that frequency because you know in that state of being where you just feel really connected to life and you feel very much in oneness and you feel that um, you just feel really happy and things are going well, all of this stuff from the past doesn't seem to matter. It's only when the frequency drops, that's when we connect into the thought system and then the thoughts back into the past or into the future, either worrying or going, right, you know, this happened, that happened, this person did that, that person did that. That doesn't seem to happen when we come into omnipresence. So they see that that is the a very quick way of just like, right, move into omnipresence and to hold that state of oneness. And as we hold that, then I have a sense that that's where a lot of the healing is taking place. Um, and we can, we're, we're coming onto different life tracks, different timelines, where we're activating all of that luck, and then moving through this, this timeline that brings in all of this sort of stuff. Uh, I say stuff, I mean, just life, the life that we want. And once we're really um, locked within that space, these, these little niggles of like, this, this and this uh, don't tend to present themselves. So from my perspective, I see that there isn't really a way to delete them or get rid of that stuff, that it will always be there in the morphic field. It's just, can we really hold this frequency that um, we're not activating or connecting back into that um, place uh, and that we're just moving through into a life that we're really enjoying so i have that perspective which um i don't know is a bit different from everybody else is really just to be holding that frequency and to really practice and to meditate and have all of those self-disciplines and you know strong boundaries and that internal sense of love and also moving through as we were saying in the earlier conversation, of no denial, just no self-rejection. We can just have whatever it is we want. Um, and so when we're really in that happy, uh, you know, everything is coming towards us, we're really not worried about certain things that happened in the past. Um, and so, yeah, that's my take on it. So I don't know what yours is, Chris. Yeah, I want to add to, to what you were saying, Eden. It's so interesting, like when we form that identity, but also like what you were talking about in the grocery store, that that being in the spiritual awakening and anyone who's listening <laughs> knows how spicy that energy is. But it, it really is almost like this re-experiencing of those moments where you feel like you're going to die. And mm -hmm. 
you have to be here in the present moment and you'll be like, you're not going to die. Like, you know what I mean? Whatever trauma we're sort of like needing to move through or needing to release, it comes up and the body, the nervous system's response is like, uh oh, this is danger. I got to get out of here. Right. And one of the things that, that as you were speaking really came to me in terms of like, um, I'm like, oh, I wish you could just like circumvent the spiritual awakening by not having faith and just having control that ego wants that. But it's like, it really does come from the trust. And like, I know for me, like I was, you know, a very smart, studious kid. And so like, I could always work my way through and like, you know, just work my ass off and get it done. And so what I was recognizing, even just like in being able to kind of like relax and, and sort of be like, okay, you don't have to like, work 60 hours a week you don't have to da 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 and I was like oh my god there's so much of like this like instability in terms of like how do Mm -hmm. I trust and how do I hold more for trusting instead of defaulting back into going and trying to like meddle and do the things yeah I find that like that's a common uh thing for people in like how they're shifting that anxiety so like in terms of like uh that regulation for you when did you come into the space of just like oh I can trust that this will work out the hero is going to be fine in the end and at the same time like here in this moment like I get to like relax like I get to like not do something versus like oh I need to just find something to get busy with and that that's what we were talking about earlier when you were saying um in our pre-conversation about just like finding the problem, like just needing to find something to kind of do instead of just trust. Yeah. I think it's been an ongoing journey. I can't pinpoint an exact point in time when that happened, but it has been a journey and it's even something that comes up in conversations still with my coach where the solution to me getting to my goals is not me doing more. And I've had to just put that as like a bold blanket statement. Tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> the yeah. solution is not doing more. And it comes from I have really, really big creative energy. I've got four motor centers to find. I have the 3420 channel, which is like really, really big creative energy. I can outwork just about anybody. And so when I'm giving 20% effort, that's still like for some people that's more than their full capacity and so i realized that i underestimate like the value of my action sometimes i'm like oh it's fine like i'll spend six hours on that no big deal like sure i'll just put together a course really quickly and like it, it for me it seems small but it's actually a much bigger deal so i've actually been giving my actions more power and so instead of seeing it as like oh i'm just putting out an instagram post i'm seeing it as like i am putting this out on my on the internet on the website so that it can connect with absolutely anybody who needs it and i like to imagine somebody finding it in a year like they're scrolling back through my feed it's been a year i've been talking about other things they come across this and like ooh, this is really juicy and so i really like to look at like the longevity of that content um, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but. <laughs> well, I mean, this actually feeds into like what was actually coming through. So this is like yeah. divine wanting to interrupt, but Perfect. maybe it's this idea of like, I was really thinking about legacy. Like, I know that you have so much more to do in your business, so much to do with purpose and, you know, but I think like, we also want to plant a flag now, as you're saying, like, what is available to 
how we can serve here in this moment, what we where like what intelligence and wisdom can we speak from from our life here in this moment? But like I just get this always this like bubbly kind of like sparkly energy. Like Jess and I, we've had like so many amazing reality benders like that we've gotten to interview and just same pattern keeps coming up. And I'm like, it makes me excited about this new earth or this like new conversation in spirituality that's emerging because I'm like, we have an Eden, we have a Jess, we have a Chris, we have all these people that are just so open in that way. And so for you, like, what is that like, legacy you know I, I I've never thought about like you know we get so inundated with I gotta post and I gotta promote and I gotta do this stuff but like that was so pure just like this intention of thinking oh can can this message reach who it needs to reach even a year from now like it's just like I I'm gonna get sit with that so thank you for that but what is yeah. your legacy? yeah Ooh, what is my legacy that's a big question um I don't really know. I don't think I know what my legacy is. I think that's my undefined G center of like, I'm here to be, (laughs) I'm here to be me. I know that I'm here to help people in big ways. And I have a feeling that that's going to change through the different seasons of my life. I know that I'm in a season where it is very much creative and it's very much through like the, the actual work that I'm doing. Um, But I've also seen it through the clients that I've been able to work with. And just, I've been a part of some really pivotal transitions for like several really amazing people and seeing that ripple effect of me um, one of my friends called me an energetic chiropractor once she's like you just it's like snap crackle pop just like a little bit of a tweak and all of a sudden I feel so much better I'm just like back in alignment I'm like yes I love that subtle adjustments and so there's been a couple of people where I've been able to help them with those subtle adjustments in really pivotal moments of their life and then they've gone on to create really incredible things Like there's this one woman, Holly Marie, she's a manifester in human design. And she was in the mastermind when I got the idea to create a certification around it. And then she went through the program and now she runs the manifester community, which her entire business has pivoted. She now focuses specifically around not just human design, but a specific type in human design and has been able to bring very niche information to a very specific group of people because we met. And so like being that person who helps really redirect people back onto their, into that like purposeful place feels so powerful and it feels so good and so satisfying. And even if I don't have like some big legacy where people remember my name (laughs) or anything like that, if I'm able to be a part of those pivotal moments, I think that I'll leave this earth satisfied. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and you just being is legacy. <laughs> like, I cannot wait for like the fantasy novel series yeah. that is. I can, I'm holding that energy because I'm like, <laughs> you also just like your everything, your essence. So, uh, just go ahead. No, I was just like, oh. no, I, I loved what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's just so, yeah, I love that. Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Eden. It's always such a fun time. This uh, this could go for like three hours <laughs> if we wanted, but like we'll just save that for the next time. But thank you for sharing your love and your energy and your your truth with us. And this was, again, just another high frequency talk. So I to talk to you again and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. This was a delightful conversation again. It was amazing. Talk soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.